the free for all roundtable brought to you by lexus avon canada's newest lexus dealer near canada's wonderland in the maple auto mall luxury is closer than you think round one why it's deja vu all over again on the roundtable and boy is there stuff to talk about this morning scott reed is here ctv political commentator former advisor to prime minister paul martin deb hutton former advisor to two ontario premiers and jerry agar host of the jerry agar show uh let's start with the freshest stuff and that would be uh toronto star reporting that sources at city hall are suggesting olivia chow is going to back down on it's not a cut that's the crazy thing but you know this battle's been very effectively fought nonetheless she's going to give the police force what they asked for uh jerry i would imagine you think she's doing the right thing well i i'm surprised actually and uh, this morning i was talking with my producer and actually the conclusion we came to is well let's let's see what she does I mean, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to say she won't do it or she's just running a game or whatever. I mean, I don't want to make predictions. If if it ends up that she does that, then okay, then we'll deal with it. This would be the result of a very, very effective campaign, Scott Reed, that was run by the police chief. And then right here, the commercials are still running this morning by the police association. Yeah, I was literally sitting uh, in the studio listening to the ads this morning from the uh, police association. I do think it's been effective. I think the people's anxieties about crime are pretty high. Uh, running really, really high, raw high, uh, if you will, these days. And so I think she's reading the political tea leaves. I think that you'll see, if the speculation is correct, that she's going to link it to, well, I'm able to do this because I was so successful in negotiating with the federal government, pumps both, you know, kisses both of her biceps and says, see, I, <laughs> I, uh, I, I got him in a headlock, and therefore this is going to go toward my priorities. I think she'll link some of the funding, that kind of stuff. But um, I think she's looking at it and saying it's probably wise to make this concession it positions me politically in a safer spot yeah and deb hutton a poll came out yesterday and one of the principal gripes people have about olivia chow is they feel she's weak on crime yeah, for sure. And and no surprise, I, I don't think, to anyone, uh, whether you voted for her or not. The question for me, and, and Scott said, you know, she may link it to some of the federal funding, and that may be what she does. But the question for me is, how do you make up the $12.6 million if, in fact, that is what she hands over in addition to what's uh, sitting there already for the police, which is what they've asked for? I notice she's also, you know, going to add, if the story is correct, to the Arts Council. And they're going to back off on the windrow snow plowing thing that I hadn't heard about until this budget cycle. That to me is, I think, indicative of the fact that we're not going to actually see restraint at all in this budget. And you're going to have to continue to fight the provincial government and the federal government. And I just don't think that's responsible. I'd imagine she looked at the balance sheet and thought this is kind of small change. So let's move on to something else. But I am somewhat surprised at the Windrose business, although maybe that's buying the piece because I can tell people that I was talking to one city councillor and apparently they're at each other's throats at City Hall right now. So maybe she's trying to broker some kind of a piece. Can I make a prediction? Yes. You saw her poll numbers plunge the other day, and we watched this budget thing. And a lot of observers, a lot of wankers like me who watch politics go, oh, my God, what a master class she's put on in terms of negotiation. I've always been skeptical about that. I'm not surprised that her numbers have plunged. I'm not surprised she's making some of these concessions. But I don't think she's running again. I, I, I think I think she's made the pre-calculated move that she's not running again. She's going to go uh, out this way, and I just 
I don't think you introduce a budget that raises taxes as much and or threatens to raise taxes as much, which is the same thing because people are left with the impression that you've raised taxes that much, and think like, yeah, and that's my, my basis for re-election. I don't think she's running again. And I think it's going to be interesting to watch what other things she does. Because once you're in office and you have this kind of sort of freedom of mind that I don't need to worry about what the voters are going to think about me next time around, you can start to make some interesting, possibly weird choices. Okay, but right. uh, yes, her numbers plunged, but to 55%. Yeah. What's Jeez. the panic? There's only two premiers who have better than 50% popularity. Oh, slow down, dudes. Like, uh, have we finished the budget debate? Have those taxes actually been implemented? Do we think 55 is the floor? I don't. No, the this floor is, is the downbound train. Floor is zero. Yeah, this yeah. is a downbound train. She said, okay. It's the speed the other- with which her, her numbers drop that you have to look at that politically and go, oh, yeah, we're, from we're in trouble. Anyway. But the other number in that is that half of the people in Toronto, such as they understand it, think the budget's good. That's the troubling number to me. Uh, Nick, make a note in the log that uh, we'll save this audio segment for the day that Olivia Chow announces that she's staying or going. Okay, Doug Ford backs down on uh, Bill 124. This is the law that imposed a settlement on people who worked for the government, 1% a year for three years. It was kicked out by the Superior Court yesterday. An appeals court said, yeah, that's the right ruling. And I guess there must have been some language in the ruling yesterday that persuaded Doug Ford there was no point in going to the Supreme court. Uh, Deb Hutton, are you surprised? I certainly was when I got the text. So a couple things. A, surprised. B, disappointed. And C, I don't think this was about the legal questions of whether there was any room for an appeal. I think this was a political decision. And so then again, I reiterate, I'm really disappointed. It was a dissenting opinion. I thought the dissenting opinion by Bill Horgan was actually uh, the appropriate opinion. Uh, personally, I know that's, that's my own personal view. But I think this is something that should have been decided by the Supreme Court, politics aside. And so super disappointed. Jerry by walking away from this appeal to the Supreme Court, effectively that makes this law and law in every province that a government cannot impose a settlement. No, it doesn't. Manitoba has a law like this and they took it uh, to the court and they won. So you actually had a precedent. So I don't know why Doug Ford wouldn't use that and hang in there. And if you, the one thing that really bothered me in the majority opinion, it was a two to one decision, uh, was that the, the judge writing brought up women and minorities, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that makes it a political decision, not a legal decision. Yeah, but the reason he brought that up was because for some reason... The the um, 124 did not apply to firefighters and police officers who are predominantly men. So why was that exception carved out by the provincial government? Uh, well, perhaps perhaps that is an issue. But as I said, there is a precedent. It's not that this uh, shuts down every province. It's our province gave up. Scott Reed, uh, the premier reverses himself quite often, but usually it's because he's you know it's kind of like being in a sailboat. You just bring over the boom, change tack. This issue, this bill, this legislation, this fight had exhausted its political benefit for the premier. That's the bottom line. And they lost the frame on this in terms of a public battle. Uh, When you are dealing with uh, high inflation, when you're dealing with a cost of living crisis, and you're saying we are going to hold people like nurses, and that's where I really think they've lost the frontline battle. You see the face of the other side was nurses, nurses, nurses. They were effective on the other side. When you're the government and you're 
Like Doug Ford likes to stand up and say, there's never been a better friend of nurses in our province. But at the same time, trying to hold them to 1%, uh, it's just, it's not good politics. It's right now in this context, I think the context has shifted on this legislation since it was introduced. Much, much tougher now. And I think he said, you know what? There is no legal basis here. That case is lost. I'm sure they were told that the appeal would fail. And then you look at the political analysis and say that's equally a loser. So we got out of it. The Trudeau government got a cold blast from the Auditor General yesterday when the Auditor General said not only was uh, you know the ArriveCan app badly handled, but she can't even figure out how much money was spent on it because the bookkeeping was so crap. Um, this kind of becomes another nail in the casket for this administration. Scott Reed, what do you say? Yeah, well, it's it's got, you know, water cooler stickiness to it. Oh, my God, $80,000 for an app, but it ended up being $59 million or $60 million or $220 squillion, whatever. So all that's bad. If you dig into it, there's... there's something really troubling going on here because when you look at it... This report that came to the Parliamentary Committee in camera, in confidence, this report, uh, preliminary work from the RCMP, really seems to drop breadcrumbs that at, I don't know, I'm going to say mid-level bureaucracy at the Canadian Border Services, maybe something criminal was going on. Maybe, like, I just think there's something, and that's not to excuse the politicians, ultimately, you've got to be running oversight. But there's more to come on this, and it really makes me wonder if you've got... um, what happens quite rarely, actually, uh, notwithstanding people's expectations, which maybe there was some outright corruption uh, with some maybe. government officials. How do you go from 80000 to $60 million without corruption? Yeah, but Jerry... Are they that incompetent? Oh, for Christ's sake, Jerry. Like, on and on. I'm just saying, listen, you may have a situation here where somebody literally, like, was saying, you know what? We're going to hand the contract to these guys, and then they're going to kick back money to us. I wonder if that's where this is going. Not at the political level, but at that sort of mid-level bureaucracy machinery where people got to actually whipsaw those contracts. And that that's troubling, because that doesn't happen too often, and it should never happen. Well, why are you getting upset at what I said? How do well, you go from 80000 to $60 million without corruption? Because you make it sound like it happens constantly. No, I'm saying that in this particular case, how can I, listen, never discount uh, incompetence as the answer to many things uh, that go wrong, okay? But this is way beyond. Well, I'm sure the RCMP will weigh in on that. Deb Hutton. Yeah, so there is an RCMP investigation, and I'm with both Scott and Jerry, I think, when they did agree, which is we may see something that is criminal. Number two, though, for me, is how does this happen without a deputy minister and a minister not having responsibility for this. Deputy ministers would have to see, should have to see, and have to be responsible for something going up, what did Polyev say, 750 times. So I'm very upset that no head has rolled here. And that tells me that the politicians don't take this as seriously as they should when they are wasting our money. Well, keep in Uh, mind that the liberals tried to stop the investigation. Well, that's not true. What yes, they it say, is. They no, voted no to an investigation. They just had, were, unfortunately for them, in a minority position. Well, no, when the report came in, they said we can't proceed any further because there's a criminal investigation and we've got to be careful not to interfere with it. But look, the, actually, the deputy minister of this department did move out. But you're right. He wasn't held to account for this when it went down. I, I, like, I think there's a, it's going to sound boring. 
I think part of the answer to Deb's question is something like Canadian Border Services, like it's not just part of the department. It kind of operates as a quasi-police force onto itself. Like the way those kinds of agencies are treated in government is a little bit different. And I think it means they didn't come under sufficient scrutiny and they left room for bad stuff to happen. That's my guess. Is it Bill Blair? No. He was the Minister of Public Safety. I don't I think this uh, he was in charge of the border. It? He was in charge of all of this. Well, ultimately, ministers are responsible for stuff that happens underneath them. I mean, it's more, as Deb says, really, this is it falls on the shoulders of a deputy minister. We want to be honest about how it gets administered. I think it's the agency head of CBSA. I think that's where real action should. I think CBSA is a bad operation. It needs to be shaken up in a big, big, big way. Not a lot of time on the clock, but uh, let's turn to something lighter. There's a snowstorm today in New York. They canceled school, but they're all going to migrate over to online learning. Deb, you've got two girls in the school system, does this take all the romance out of a snow day? Uh, no, uh, but if they actually succeed in teaching children online with, you know, a half day's notice, then we need to send our teachers unions down to New York because going online here in Ontario means checking in with your kids and telling them to go do whatever the hell they want until three o'clock. That's our time. My thanks to y'all. A very lively discussion this morning about some very important things. Catch the Roundtable, round one at 7.45, round two at 8.45. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.